I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. And good morning, we welcome you to Gospel Dynamite, a Christian broadcast dedicated to the winning of the lost and the edification of God's saints. Gospel Dynamite is a ministry of Asbury Baptist Church located at 218 Asbury Church Road, Seagrove, North Carolina. I did to visit our church on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. and Wednesday evenings at 7 o'clock. Now will you join me in studying the Word of God. You're listening to Gospel Dynamite. Thank you for joining us. Turn your Bibles, if you will, to Joshua chapter 5. Joshua chapter 5 and verses 13 through 15. The Bible says, And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho, that he lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, there stood a man over against him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went unto him and said unto him, Art thou for us or for our adversaries? And he said, Nay, but as captain of the host of the Lord, am I now come? And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and did worship and said unto him, What saith my Lord unto his servant? And the captain of the Lord's host said unto Joshua, Loose thy shoe from off thy foot, for the place whereon thou standest is holy. And Joshua did so. Many in our day do not remember the name of the fame of Sergeant Alvin York. He was the most famous soldier in World War I. Many people don't know that Alvin York single-handedly captured 132 German soldiers one day, in one day, in France. York was the recipient of many great honors from several nations for his bravery in combat. However, York was the most unlikely man to become a legendary hero. He felt that his Christian faith barred him from killing anyone, even in war. After being drafted, York made it known that he was a conscientious objector and that he would not be able to kill other men. He was sent home on a 10-day leave to think about his situation and to consider the scriptures that a Christian captain had shared with him. York was promised that he would be dismissed from the army if he still felt, felt the same way when he returned. Finally, in a crisis of faith, God showed York that he could obey God and defend the helpless in Europe at the same time. He wrote, and I quote, As I prayed there alone, I knew that he was there. He understood. I didn't want to be a fighter or a killing man. He took pity on me and gave me the assurance I needed. It was his will, and that was enough for me. And Sergeant York had to win the war in his mind before he could win the battles that lay ahead of him in the trenches of France. And Alvin York had to yield to the lordship of God in his life before he could ever become a great war hero. The same truth is seen in this passage. Israel is about to attack the city of Jericho. Before that battle, the leader of Israel, Joshua, 
goes out to inspect the site of the coming battle, on that important day, Joshua came face to face with the real leader of Israel. He had an encounter with the one who was far more powerful than he was. That day, outside the walled city of Jericho, the leader met the Lord. And when he did, Joshua was humbled. But he was also prepared for the battle that lay ahead. Now, it may be that he will remind us who is in control of the situations that we face in life. It may be that we'll come to realize that no one is qualified to lead who has not first learned to serve. It may be that he will remind us of the necessity of humbling ourselves at his feet. And if we would enjoy real spiritual victory in our lives, we must come to understand who really fights our battles. I would call your attention in verse 13, the image of the shepherd. As the verses here open, we find Joshua, the leader of the people of Israel, all alone outside the walls of Jericho. And I think it would be to our benefit to consider just what Joshua is doing out there all by himself. He is burdened. Joshua was the leader of the people. God himself had chosen him for that position. And when the Lord called Joshua to lead Israel, the Lord gave Joshua some very precious promises. In Joshua chapter 1 and verse 5, the Lord said the following to Joshua, and I quote, There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. It was on the basis of that great promise that Joshua had assumed the leadership role in Israel. Now he has led them over Jordan. He has led them in obedience to the law of the Lord. He has led them in observing the Passover. He has led them to the place where they are ready to begin their battle for the land of Canaan. And on the eve of the battle, Joshua goes out to look at the city that they're about to attack. The great walled city of Jericho. Joshua is a military leader, and there can be little doubt that he's out there partially to consider the, de the defenses of the city and to formulate a plan of attack. Joshua is a leader of a couple of million of men, women, and children, and every decision he makes will affect the people that are under his leadership in profound ways. Some will die. Others will be injured maimed. Families will be torn apart. Lives will be altered based on the decisions that Joshua makes. And before those decisions are made, Joshua goes out alone under the entire weight of the burden of his office to seek the counsel of God. In verse 13, the text says, He lifted up his eyes and looked. Now this seems to imply that Joshua has his head bowed and his eyes closed in prayer. 
It seems to me that this man recognizes the terrible burden that rests on his shoulders and that he is seeking God's help to make the right decisions for himself and for the Lord's people. Anyone who has ever filled a position of leadership knows to some degree how Joshua is feeling here in this point in his life. Leadership always comes with great responsibility. There is the responsibility to seek the will of God in every matter you face. There is the responsibility to make decisions that honor God above feelings. There is a responsibility to do everything with the understanding that every decision is like tossing a pebble into a pond. There are ripples from every decision you make. And when a preacher fails, a ministry fails. When a father fails, a family fails. When a mother fails, her children fail. When a deacon fails, a church fails. When a Christian fails, a testimony fails. Sometimes people will understand your motives, other times they won't. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter what people think. All that matters is what God thinks. Because we will face him and not them with the decisions we make in life. The Bible says in Romans 14 and verse 12, So then every one of us shall give an account of himself to God. Therefore, if you're in a position of leadership, you must take it seriously because your decisions affect all of those around you. There is a sense in which we are all leaders at some level. Therefore, we must consider the following passages from the Word of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1-5. through 5. Let a man so account of us as of the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required of stewards that a man be found faithful. But with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged of you or of man's judgment. Yea, I judge not my own self. For I know nothing by myself, yet am I not hereby justified. But he that judgeth me is the Lord. Therefore judge nothing before the time until the Lord come, who both will bring the light the hidden things of darkness and will make manifest the counsels of the heart. And then shall every man have praise of God. Now, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. Very startling verse. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Take your responsibility very seriously. Again, we see the shepherd's bravery. As Joshua meditates and contemplates the battle that is upcoming, he sees an unidentified man standing nearby with a sword drawn. Understand this. This is the posture of battle. It is the picture of a man who is ready for a fight. Joshua does not hesitate, but he approaches the man and demands to know which side the man is on. Is he on the side of Jericho, or is he on the side of Israel? When Joshua first sees this man, he identifies him as a possible threat to Israel. 
His instincts as a shepherd are aroused and steps up to the defense of his people. Joshua is burdened by the weight of leadership, but he is also consumed with the protection of those under his care. And that same characteristic marks true leaders regardless of their area of leadership. A pastor who will not defend his congregation when it's under attack is not much of a pastor. The deacon who will not defend his church is not much of a deacon. The husband who will not defend his wife or the father who will not defend his children is not much of a man. We're living in a time when the church, our doctrines, our Bible, our worship, and all the other things that identify us as God's people are under attack. We're living in the days when the family, the institution of marriage, our children are under assault. We must have men and women who are unafraid to stand up and fight for the things that matter. We must have people who are not ashamed to take a stand against the rising tide of evil and ungodliness. And we must have people who will stand for the Lord to protect their church, their family, and their community from all of those who wish to destroy it. God's command to his people is this, Ephesians 6, 10 through 13. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord, in the power of his might. Put on the whole arm of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand. My friend, there are things in this world that are very precious to me and they're worth fighting for. Your church is worth fighting for. The truth is worth fighting for. Integrity and obedience to the will of God are worth fighting for. My soul, your children are worth fighting for and I will not comply. I will not lay down. I will not bend. I will not bow while you come and take and assault my children in um, any way whether it be mental, physical, or emotional, or spiritual, you'll have to get through me in hell first because my friend, the family, your children, our children are worth fighting for. If the present generation, if the present church does not grow a backbone and learn to take a stand against the encroachment of evil, then my friend, very little will pass on to the next generation. It's time for God's people to take a stand. I am sick and tired of macaroni backbone Christians. I am sick and tired of the church of Jesus Christ being walked over because we serve the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Verses 13, 14. We see the image of sovereignty. 
While there is an image of a shepherd in this passage, my friend, there's also an image of a sovereign God. This text reveals the problems, the perils, and the pitfalls of leadership. But it also draws our attention to the idea of lordship. Even though Joshua was a leader of the people, he himself was under the lordship of God Almighty. And these verses identify and clarify the person and the power of the one Joshua encountered outside of Jericho that day. Notice the Lord's posture. When Joshua encounters this man, he is said to be standing with his sword drawn in his hand. It's the picture of a person ready for battle. This is not the image of some passive observer of event, events. This is the image of someone who is ready to make something happen. It's the image of a man who has come ready for a fight. It is the image of someone who is ready to take on the enemy. And I want to remind you today that God does not react to events that take place in our human world. He's not sitting in heaven waiting to see what we will do first so he can decide how to respond. He is in total control of both the actions and the reactions. Nothing has ever occurred to God. He already knows what we're going to do, and he's already made his plans accordingly. Isaiah 46, verses 9 through 11. Remember the former things of old, for I am God, and there is none else. I am God, and there's none like me, declaring the end from the beginning, and from ancient times of things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand, and I will do all of my pleasure calling a ravenous bird from the east, the man that executeth my counsel from a far country. Yea, I have spoken it. I will also bring it to pass. I have purposed it. I will also do it. Verses like this and many others make it clear that our God is in control of all the affairs of life. He is always ready in every situation because he has decreed all things to come to pass. And that's why he's never surprised by life. Now, we're surprised by the various turns of the roads of life, but God has never caught off God. He's never had to have a plan B. He's never had to alter his will. He is never left at a loss as what to do because he is God and he is ever in control of all things. And when Joshua encounters this man, he does not know who he is, so he asks. Joshua says, Art thou for us or for our adversaries? And the man's answer must have taken Joshua by surprise because the man says, Nay, but as captain of the Lord's host am I now come. In other words, the man answers Joshua by saying, I did not come to take sides in this battle. I came to take over. And his answer tells us exactly who this man is. 
It is none other than the Lord Jesus Christ himself. This is theologically called a Christophany. Now that's a 50 cent word to say that this is a pre-Bethlehem appearance of the Lord. This is not the first time he's appeared in the world, and this will not be the last time that he appears either. Genesis chapter 16, in verses 7 through 14, again in chapter 21, he appeared to Hagar. He appeared to Abraham. He appeared to Jacob in Genesis 28. He appeared to Moses. Exodus chapter 3, he appeared to, to Gideon in Judges chapter 6. He appeared to Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 6. He appeared to the three Hebrews in the fiery furnace in Daniel chapter 3. He appeared to Daniel in Daniel, Daniel chapter 6, chapter 7, and chapter 10. He appeared to the prophet Zechariah in Zechariah 1, 2, 3, and 6. So it must have encouraged Joshua to realize that he was not alone. If you've ever been in leadership, you know that it can be discouraging and depressing because the, the decisions you make impact others and there's a certain amount of loneliness in leadership. Harry Truman said when he was president of the United States, it was the most lonely job he's ever had. Surely Joshua felt the same sense of being alone and what a comfort it must have been to know that God, who had promised to be with Joshua in Joshua chapter 1 and verse 5, again in verse 9, now he's keeping that promise. There was no doubt, but now this is proof positive. This is tangible evidence. God has come to take over. By the way, that's a promise he intends to keep with you too. He's promised you that he will Never leave you, never forsake you. He'll never leave you when the ups and downs of life come. The same Lord that stepped out of eternity here to move in the lives of his people in the past is the same God who intends to do the same thing for you. You are not alone. God is with you. And the Lord identifies himself as the captain of the host of the Lord. That is, Joshua could not see, but there is a vast army of heavenly warriors camped about him, ready to take on the people of Canaan. And the implication is clear. Israel would not face their enemies alone. They would face him aided by the armies of heaven. And Joshua now receives the assurance that the Lord is about to do this battle and that victory is assured. There is a spiritual realm around us that we cannot see. And in that hidden spiritual dimension, there are angels and there are demons. Those spiritual beings are continually waging war and the battle of good against evil. The same power that came to aid Israel in Jericho is the same power that comes to aid you when you need God. My friend, our God is still the captain of the Lord's host. And he still fights battles on behalf of his people. And all of these truths serve to remind us that our God is sovereign. And that simply means that he's in control of all things, of all people at all times. He is the Lord both in time and eternity. He is in charge. And he can be trusted to take care of you.
Now, I call your attention to verses 14 and 15, the image of the servant. When Joshua realizes just who is standing before him, he assumes the places of a servant before the Lord. And Joshua's attitude to the Lord has much to teach us about how we approach God as well. Joshua realizes that he's face to face with God himself, and he falls down before the Lord to worship him. Joshua exalts the Lord and acknowledges his position by bowing at his feet. Here's the indication. Joshua is submitting to the will of God and that he knows who is in control. Then Joshua wants to to know what God would have him do, and he's yielding his role as leader to the Lord. He's assuming the place of a servant before the master. In this instance... General Joshua falls down before the commander-in-chief and he yields all authority and power to him. A crucial step on the road to victory is learning to relinquish leadership to the will of God. The leader has to bow to true leadership. You see, before you can have victory, You must be vanquished. Before you can conquer, you must first be conquered. Many today need to do just what Joshua did right here. Many need to lay down their swords at the feet of the captain of the Lord's host and surrender their pride and yield to his authority. That's God's will for his people. 1 Peter 5, verses 5 through 7. God resisteth the proud, giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, unto the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all of your care upon him, for he careth for you. We are all under authority. Ultimately, we are all under the authority of God. He is our commander, and his will is what matters most of all. Whether we're leaders or followers, we're all servants of the king. And we must find ourselves at his feet, humbly submitting ourselves to his will, whatever that may be. And verse 15, God makes a strange demand of Joshua. Joshua's commanded to loose thy shoe from off thy foot. Why did the Lord ask him for one shoe? Well, the answer lies in ancient custom. When a covenant was made between two individuals, in which one person possessed the power to keep the covenant, the other did not. The weaker individual handed the other individual one of his shoes. It was a way of saying, I cannot, but you can. That scene in the book of Ruth, in Ruth chapter 4, verses 6 through 8. Now for Joshua, this was a challenge for him to come to the place where he could admit his own weakness, his own inability to gain the victory. It was a call! For him to surrender to God. For us, we need to learn the truth that we cannot, but he can. There are some some people here who've been trying to fight your own battles in your own power. Lord, we need to say, God, I cannot fight these battles, but you can. I can't win the victories, but you can. We've got to come to the place where we're willing to say once for all, I can't, Lord, but you can.